This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. Thanks. We're going to jump right into topic here in a minute. But before we do that, we just want to remind you that you can go to practicalshepherding.com and access all of our content, including over 100 episodes of other podcasts. So if you're wondering if we've tackled a topic Jim, that's the best thing for them to do, right? Just go to the website and scroll down. It's set up in a way that you can see several episodes just on the same page to see the things that we've done. And if we haven't done something that you want, go to the contact page, write us, and let us know what you'd like us to talk about on on a podcast episode. We love to hear from you all, and we want to cover the things that are most helpful to you. But the podcast, the uh, the website at practicalshepherding.com uh, has all kinds of other things that you can access. Let us know how we can help and serve you in the in the future as we go into this as we go into this new year in your ministry. Uh, Jim, we want to jump right into topic, and we we thought it was important to talk about this because you and I both personally, as well as hearing from other pastors, are hearing about this disconnect that pastors feel from their people now as a result of really 10 months of, a, of the pandemic and all that's happened. In fact, uh, we did a pastor's fellowship recently, and I, I want to set this up by quoting you, and you saying something very provocative but true in your own life and ministry. You've pastored for 30-plus years, same congregation, and you stood up and said to these 50 pastors that were there, I've I've never felt so disconnected as a pastor from my people. Yeah. Um, would you care to elaborate on that and then maybe set this topic up biblically as we get into this? Uh, sure, I may do it a little bit backwards from what you just said. That's, if that's fine. all right. And just, I just do want to start out scripturally that, uh, in just saying that this matters, uh, that this is something, that this being connected to your people, whatever terminology you want to use, uh, connected versus disconnected. Uh, the the issue of shepherding and, and part of what we talked about in our fraternal started out with is something of the shepherding motif in the scriptures. Right. And Jeremiah speaking, not really so much of pastors, although I think it does have a great uh, impact and implication for pastors. When he prophe- when he gives the prophecy to to Jeremiah that he would give shepherds after his own heart. Yep. And when you look at the heart of the chief shepherd uh, in places like John chapter ten, where he says, "I know my sheep," and uh, the good shepherd you know, calls his sheep by name, and he knows them. And he loves them, and they know him, you know, so that there is this uh, interrelation, an open, clear, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it is, it's, it talks about uh, pastors, uh, the, the duties of, of a churchman toward their pastors, and one of the things it talks about is that you would, and the word that's used there is that you would know those or recognize those who labor over you. Uh, in the Lord, and, and so that there is this mutuality of knowledge that a pastor and his people are to have. Yeah, and so if we're to accurately shepherd our people publicly and privately, bring bring the word in ways that deal with their hearts and deals with their fears and anxieties or, or with their sins. If you're to come alongside them and know them. Uh, in order that you can minister to them, not generically, but specifically. And yep. again, you're to shepherd the flock that is among you. Yeah, First Peter 5, right. And even that whole language of among you, uh, it has been in some sense denied us. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know, we've been going through phases uh, of this. And again, some churches are going to be 
struggle with this more than others. Some churches, because of where they are and because of the makeup of their congregation and the convictions of their pastor, political and otherwise, there's no, you know, everything is the same. Nothing has changed. Uh, Everybody comes, you know, and even the whole idea of wearing a mask sometimes is, to me, there's a heartbreaking element to that. Yeah. And some of that's due to the uncertainty of everything, but part of it is just because it it hides people's faces. And, mm-hmm. and and you look out sometimes, and we don't require people to wear a mask. Or, or when you're when you're, we ask people, we recommend you know you can wear one when we sing, but not when you're just sitting there. So pe- most people take them off, but not everybody does. And then the interactions often have people put them on as they're leaving the building and even as you're talking outside. And so it's just like, I, I just don't see, I don't see their whole face. I yeah. don't, and I miss that. I, I it, it, it does lead to a sense of, of, of disconnect. I mean, just imagine trying to take photographs of people. Now you're going to look, you know, facial recognition isn't going to be able to recognize people, you know, and, right, right. and you're looking at this and like, who's this, who's this? I mean, sometimes even like, who, okay, who's approaching me and. And so there's that. Plus, some people haven't shown up. There are some. Um, there are some people at church I haven't seen since March. Uh, right? Since March, yeah. I mean, we're coming on a year. Yeah, yeah uh, that's right. That that I have seen some. Some I have seen very, very little. Uh, and so, and even when people are there, uh, the normal means of communication uh, of where you would just leisurely can just sit and talk if you needed to for as long as you wanted. Uh, we would have lots of fellowship meals uh, every week. There's a fellowship meal at the church building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the ease of fellowship. You know, So we had a situation uh, a few weeks ago where a group, 15 of our young people got together around Christmas time to have, to have a little Christmas party, have some fellowship. And, you know, I, I I understand fully why you'd want to do that. There's no judgment on that. Thirteen out of the fifteen came down with COVID after Whoops. that, yep. and, and and we had to shut down for uh, almost two weeks, two weeks right. um, as a church uh, as, as a result of that. And so it just you feel that sense of oh wow, I mean here you try to get together, you try to have fellowship, which you want to encourage, and when people did, you know th- this happened. And so anyway, I'm just saying, uh, and to, to requote me, after 30 years plus of ministry, it'll be 31 years in a couple of weeks that I preached my first sermon yeah. uh, to this group of people, uh, I have never felt so disconnected. I've never felt so much that I don't know. I just really feel like I don't know what's going on other than the big general pictures but the specific ways in which I related and felt like I understood and knew my people, I'm going to give an account. And if I had to give an account for the past year and how everyone's doing, I feel like I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. And that, if there's any, if there's one thing we want to accomplish with just having this conversation is that we're learning that pastors are, a lot of pastors are feeling the same way and they're feeling mixed emotions around that. Some of them are battling, I feel this way, but but I shouldn't. Like I've done something wrong right. that I feel disconnected, or you know I've done all I can and it's not enough, and right. they can't accept that. So if, if if you're you know pastors, we want them to to know through this conversation that you're not alone. Like yeah. just about every pastor I talk to, in one way or another, feels this way. 
maybe not be able to say what you said. That's a pretty powerful statement. And and I know you well and know the effort you've made the last 10 months. And for you to say that still just acknowledges that what the pandemic in general and all that how this has affected us has had massive implications that are going to carry over into this next year, no doubt. So why don't we turn the conversation, Jim, because we want to first acknowledge and let other pastors know that you're all in the same, but we're all in the same boat. Right. And and that's okay. And there are things we can do. And then we also, this is a moment to acknowledge our limitations. Otherwise, we have this false guilt walking around that somehow we haven't done things we should have done. And it's about doing the best we can with the situation that we have. But we do want to talk about, let's shift the conversation maybe to what are some small things that pastors can do that you have found helpful in reconnecting? So though you feel disconnected, I know you've gotten creative. I've gotten creative in how to connect with people in a way to try to deal with this uh, through, I mean, it's, it's preaching to masks is better than preaching just to a camera. I found, but it's still hard to preach to masks because you can't read people's faces at all. When you're, when you preach still a lot of challenges and the same with personal conversation. So what are a few things you have found helpful in trying to connect with your people in the midst of what we've been facing? So I'll lay out a couple of things. I realize not every pastor is in the same situation, you know, that I'm in. And so, so among the things that we have that's helpful is that we have, we have four elders, uh, so four pastors yep. um, in, in our in our congregation. Uh, two of us are fully supported. The other two are men that are retired, and so the, they receive some compensation from the church. Uh, you know, they do have a lot of time, you know, that they're able to give. And so one of the things that we've tried to do is to, we've divided the congregation into four parts. Yep. So each of us have somebody that we're primarily responsible for. And then we turn that over every, uh, however many weeks or so that go by every six weeks or eight weeks that go by, we turn that over so that in, in a span of time, each of us uh, has an opportunity uh, to minister to everybody that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that we do. Can I ask a follow-up about that? Yeah. So do you do all four of the, the pastors evenly divide up the congregation, or is the full-time guys carry more of a load with that? No, actually, we well, we divide it up evenly. In fact, in some okay. ways, because the two of us do most of the preaching, Yeah. Okay. or I do most of the preaching, I actually sometimes get less of that because I have to give more of my time. Uh, to study, and I do more of my time with more emergency counseling or regular long-term counseling that yeah. you try to keep. So my time is 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 different. That makes uh, sense. I just divided up. So I just wanted to ask that yeah. in light of those who yeah it, w- would be in diff- a situation where they have lay pastors or even other leaders that would be willing to do this, right? But needing to think through how right. to divide that. And, up. and our congregation has, and I'm going to try to remember what it is because so no, I know what our membership. Right I know what I know what our membership is, okay. but I don't know like family units. Oh yeah, okay. So we break it down according to units, yeah. so that right. you know we would do it's a husband and wife, or if there are. Uh, you know, somewhat older children that are members in the church, or, you know, that we're responsible yeah. uh, for that group. The other thing that we have tried to do as elders is we do a, a kind of a color coding system of green, yellow, red. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as we as we regularly meet meet together as elders, pray through the congregation, and talk about the folks in the church, we kind of put, all right, who do we have 
And it's not to say that there's no concern, but we have a sense that they're doing they're doing well, that they're generally thriving, they're they're okay. Uh, others are in a situation like we realize, you know, there's there are things we really need to keep an eye on and and see how they're doing, and then so that's the yellow, and then the red, those we're really concerned about, yeah. um, where there are long term patterns or something going on. Uh, there's a really uh, bad marriage or there's a, a real struggle with sin or somebody seems to be departing in, in, in some way. And so those especially. So sometimes if you're given the list and you're thinking through and you're praying through and contacting uh, the folks and just whether so, – so what does contact look like? So it might just be a quick text. It might be a phone call. In the past, we've done things where we've set up a group Zoom meeting just with the 15, 20, 30 units that each of us are, are given um, and, and to do something like that and just check on one another so that we can see each other, pray for each other, know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of the things. Yeah. Uh, and those, I you know, confess you know, that those who are the green – you kind of feel okay about if you just see them quickly on the Lord's Day, and and I try. I mean, for all my years here, you know, even though there can be 200, 250 people on a Sunday, I try to get around as much as I can. I notice when there's visitors, I try to greet the visitor, yeah. introduce myself. Um, I might give them a card with my name on it and email and just any way I can serve you. Uh, and then you try to make your way around and you're mindful, you know, has anybody so like in the last couple of weeks, death has hit a couple of folks in the family. One of our older ladies lost her brother. Uh, one of the, our deacons lost his dad in just a thought, okay, I need to call them or I need to check on them or make sure that when I see them, that I acknowledge the loss and see how they're doing. So one of the things I, I love about your church is that many people hang around, even through this pandemic, yes. people hang around and talk. So that does lend itself to allow you to do what you just said, right? You're able to have time. Like people don't just rush out or, you know, people linger and have conversations and you're you're able to check in with folks more so than maybe some pastors can on Sundays because people just bolt pretty quick or right. whatever whatever the reason is. A follow-up question on the, the color coding, Jim. So all four of the elders do their own coding as they're and they as they go through the list and then they bring that to your all's meetings to and kind of acknowledge here are my reds you know, right. here are my yellows and then that's what you just that's what you give most of the time to is that the idea yeah and and, and yes in our both in our elders meetings and in our private you know yeah. so that each of us are assigned so again if i'm assigned a group of of 20 25 people whatever uh, and well, it'd be more than that. So thirty, say thirty or more that I'm assigned that I that I would take care of over these next eight weeks. I look through and I think, okay, which of these are the, you know, who aren't I seeing regularly? Yeah. And, and this is another thing that's been hard. It just feels different now. And even trying to keep track and trying to remember who's there, who's not there. And, and it's not that we don't take attendance or anything like that. But in your own mind, you kind of do like, you do. oh, Every, okay, they weren't here this weekend. Every pastor or, does that. Or yeah. I didn't see so-and-so. Or, you know, and, and as the congregation gets a bit larger. Yeah. And, and even during this time, because, you know, some are utilizing Zoom because we live stream. Yeah. We have, uh, we also have an overflow room. And so sometimes people are in the overflow room. We've had as many as 40 people in the overflow wow, room. Wow, really? Huh. And I didn't know they were there uh, until, you know, sometimes until you're making your way out. But some of them have 
have left before I'm able to make my way out. And so they were technically there, but they were in the overflow watching through video, which, you know, I think almost, why don't you just stay, you know, it's almost, yeah, that's hard. It's a struggle. It? I, mean, I struggle with hard, that. Yeah. And, and, you know, so that's why we urge people get there, get there in plenty of time. Yeah. So you can claim a seat because we only have, right. we used to have close to 400 chairs, uh, in the sanctuary, we now have closer to 200. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so those, those things are, are hard and difficult. And, and what can happen is just because you're so caught up with so many things that even, even, the, even the folks that are in the green, I mean, if, just because they're a green doesn't mean that they don't have something going on in their life that you need to be aware yeah, of. You need to connect with them too. Or that, or right. that you know, <clears throat> that they're not struggling in some. Just because they're they're not in a hor- in horrible shape doesn't mm-hmm. mean right. that they don't need a check in or a checkup. And I fear sometimes people like that get neglected right. because you're so focused on uh, on the extraordinary. That, that's a good word, and I pre- that's a great system. I pr- I mean, I appreciated hearing that and hearing how you guys were functioning that way couple of things I would add just to making the effort to try to disconnect or to, to try to connect with the disconnected is to um, just get creative, continue to kind of think and get creative. I, I, I fear that that pastors, in at least in a lot of our camps, who who don't want to be pragmatic and don't mm. want to be entertainment driven and can, you know, sure. appeal to the consumer, like I find that sometimes they also lack a creativity. They almost don't separate pragmatism from right. creativity. Right. And I just want to highlight, those are two very different things, I think. And this is a time for pastors to get yeah. creative in how to connect with people, use technology. I've stood on widows' lawns and talked to them 20 feet away. Right. I've sat on how many porches wearing a mask. Right. Like, do whatever you got to do, but the but don't underestimate that the the how much in-person presence, even if you're wearing a mask with somebody, how much that can lead to a feeling more connected than you are on a Zoom call or that you are on a telephone call. And so I just want to urge pastors to to don't stop being creative this next year to try to figure out how to connect and do the best you can with that. Yeah, I and I agree. And I think, Brian, one of the things that when you mentioned the difference, you know, creativity and pragmatism, each of those takes a certain degree of skill set. And if you don't have it, you know, you're just not, you're just not necessarily a creative person Find somebody who is. Yeah, right. Good. And so I'll, I'll give a, my little illustration here. And, and Brian, I've done some cooking for you. So one of the things, you one of my, have, yeah. one of my pandemic things <laughs> I've done is I, if I had to learn to cook or just you know, do it on my own, like, hey, Jim, come up with a good, chi- you know, chili recipe or make these kinds of, you know, this kind of, th- or, or this thing, I, I don't know that I do a really good job, but what I do is I find people who I believe are skilled in that way mm-hmm. and who are willing to teach. And, and and what I like are these little YouTube videos. But somebody who looks like they know what they're talking about and and, and I can follow, I can do what they do. Mm-hmm. And without shame, I just, I, you know, and then sometimes if you're watching a few different ones, you, you, you blend it. Uh, and, and in that sense, you can make it your own. So if you're not good at this and you don't really, you know, you don't know how to do this and, and not every pastor has the same amount of social skills as others. That's uh, right. You know, we tend to think of pastors as being more sociable. Not all of them are. Right. And and this is part of the, maybe for them the hardest part. It's the part of pastoring I have honestly enjoyed the most, even though it's the hardest part. Um, the uh, preaching has not been what I've enjoyed the most, even yeah. though it's it's what I'm 
in certain little circles, it's what I'm best known for. Uh, in little Reformed Baptist circles, I'm known for, you know, you get known for your preaching, but I far more enjoy getting with people. If I can fill my week up with meetings and getting with people, but the norms of that, whether it's just, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee somewhere, well, Starbucks and Heine Brothers and all these other places, a lot of them have been shut down, mm-hmm. uh, and and not everybody is as comfortable going out and and going to restaurants or going the again the norms of life. Uh, you know, getting up with families at kids' ball games or going to see kids in a show or or whatever. All that's been it's all been taken away, and so I've had to think through, and I have to confess, Brian, I've grown tired. I've really grown weary uh, of this of the struggle mm-hmm. of what used to be normal. It's like, you know, glue's been poured on the floor. Yeah, pastor was hard and, enough and you already, used right? to be able yeah. to just walk, and now right. I'm walking, but every step is an effort in a way it didn't used to be. And on in response to what you said, no joke, everybody, like I, I had Jim's chili, and it may have been <laughs> the best chili I've ever had in my Thank life. Thank you. And the breakfast tacos? And the breakfast tacos. Slamming. I just, I'm telling you, everybody, so, you know, don't <laughs> embrace your pandemic new hobby, whatever it is. And I've still got to make you wings. And, I, and, and I'm ready for it because it, it right. keeps going on this trajectory. So, <laughs> so Jim, as we, as we wrap this up, what any final word of just encouragement to pastors around this idea of they're feeling disconnected. They want to feel connected. They don't see any end in sight, really, at this point. Right. Any final word of encouragement for them as we wrap yeah, up? Yeah, I, I think, Brian, we have to a- embrace the reality of our humanity. And the Bible's very clear about this, at times in a rebuke way and other times a very sympathetic way. So, for instance, Psalm 146, Do not put your confidence in princes, nor in a son of man in, in whom there is no help. Yeah. And, and the reality is there are things that we can do, but we are limited in our humanity. So there's the, there's the far gentler reality of that in Psalm 103, that he knows our frame. He, know, he knows that we are dust. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. We're not supermen. Yeah, um, there are in church, church history is... The biographies are written about supermen, and there's about 15 of them in 2,000 years. Right. They are, they are not the norm, and don't be ashamed. God is not ashamed of your humanity. Mm-hmm. And, That's good. And there is the reality that we are not the chief shepherds of the sheep. And, and if we fail or cannot do all of our shepherding, he does not fail to do his. And that's not an excuse to laziness. It's not an excuse to throw this off, but that ought to be a comfort to us mm-hmm. as mortals who are in the service of the chief shepherd who knows all of his flock, and he will not allow any of them to perish. Luke 15, the, 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 in the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus is that shepherd who goes after yeah, right. the one. We're to imitate that, but he's the one who does it. So that's a good word. And and I would just add to that along those lines uh, that you just really search your heart if you're feeling guilt over your humanity. 
And that is a that is a false guilt. We should not feel guilty over being human and having limitations. And and I think that a lot of pastors feel that right now is mm-hmm. we feel guilty because we're right. not doing yes, we do. everything we wished we could or we right. think we need to. So if anything is accomplished in this episode, let us hopefully let God use those words to free you from a false guilt, an unnecessary burden you're putting on yourself as you're trying your best to care for your flock in the midst of a really yeah. hard situation. So let's take a minute. I'm, I'll take a minute, Jim, and pray that... Uh, uh, that God will just give grace for those who may be feeling that guilt as well as just wisdom in how to do this from here on. Lord, thank you for the for the flock that you've given each of these pastors who are listening. Lord, would you give us grace and remind us of our humanity? And we pray, Lord, you just take the guilt away that mm-hmm. is not supposed to be there um, because uh, because we're human and we can only do so much. So, Lord, if there's a guilt that anybody's feeling because they think they're supposed to be doing more but really can't, Lord, help them just embrace their limitations. And, Lord, give them wisdom to know how to be creative to reach their people and care for them and to find to be attentive to find ways to be able to love them well through this. And we pray, Lord, you just build up the churches as well as the ministries of, of all those listening, we pray in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen.